Thanks for downloading show 78 of the C-Suite podcast being produced in partnership with Communicate magazine as for the uh, second year running, we're going to be chatting to two of the winners of their corporate content awards, which took place in London last week. Uh, my name is Russell Goldsmith, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show Communicate's publishing editor, Brittany Gollab, and our award-winning guests are Dagmar Mackett, uh, director of film, video and motion at the creative communications group DRPG. Uh, Dagmar will be talking to us about her agency's work with Jaguar Land Rover. And our final guest is David Boardman, Director of Communications and Engagement at MyCSP, the organisation that administers the civil service pensions arrangement, and they provide those pensions to over one and a half million people. So welcome to all three of you to the show. I also need to thank uh, Dagmar too, because uh, DRPG have very kindly organised uh, today's recordings in the very smart uh, Soho Square studios in, in London, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, now, we're also very grateful to NetSuite by Oracle, who are supporting uh, this episode, and we'll hear a bit more about them later on. But Brittany, let's come to you first. This was the second year that you've run the uh, Corporate Content Awards. Could you give us an overview of the quality of the work that you saw across the uh, 21 categories? Definitely. Um, I mean, first of all, I'd love to say congratulations to all of the winners of the awards this year, including DRPG and MyCSP. And it's been it's been really interesting looking at content through Communicate and then now through the awards. One of my favorite stories is um, about soap operas and how they were one of the first examples of corporate content. So it's not new, but what is new is the increasing quality of content and the increasing use of content with the Strategic Communications Foundation. Um, and that's kind of what we've seen this year is more uses of multimedia, um, using AR, uh, using uh, Alexa um, and other voice assistants, using better video, better radio, um, and but also f- kind of embedding that really firmly within a strategic background. Um, and then finally, just it's been really great to see really fun and creative stuff this year. David will talk a little bit more about his work, but we also had um, this mad <laughs> but wonderful video um, from Nationwide kind of galvanizing their internal audience, um, something you wouldn't expect from a bank, but really fit their their, their culture. Have you got examples of them on the, the Communicates website at all? Yeah, everything is on uh, corporatecontentawards.com, and you can look at case studies and judges' comments on there. Excellent. Okay, well, um, we're going to you know, delve obviously a little deeper into um, into these two particular case studies and what it takes to make award-winning corporate content, obviously. Dagmar, starting with the work that DRPG produced on behalf of your client, Jaguar Land Rover, mm-hmm. um, that won gold in two categories. So you've got best content targeted to the CSR community and best content targeted to the internal audience. Now, this this particular one, obviously, we're going to hear about it, is, is of particular interest to me because it ticks a couple of boxes um, that we cover regularly on the C-Suite podcast and that's internal communications but also something that's being spoken about quite a lot obviously at the moment is mental health and well-being so tell us a little bit about Let's Have the Conversation which was the name of the campaign. Um, lots of uh, very responsible employers these days I think have recognised over the last few years that uh, they need to acknowledge that mental health issues are something that affects them and affects their workforce. And Jaguar Land Rover, being one of those very responsible employers, uh, realised that they had to do something about it. Now, they had some support in place, but actually they found that a lot of that support was, support was not very well publicised. So um, they tried to figure out how to make sure that more of their employees were aware of the support that's out there if somebody realised that they were perhaps themselves suffering from a mental health issue or they knew somebody close to them, somebody they worked with who was. So they sat down with us and said, how can we do this? Because we have got things in place, but they're not really working particularly well. 
So together with Jaguar Land Rover's internal communications team, we developed uh, a campaign that would be publicised mainly through their internal channels. Uh, And we decided to call it Let's Have the Conversation because that's really where it all starts, isn't it? Um, I think it's really important for people with mental health issues that they understand that they can talk to somebody. That's the first step. So we decided that it would be driven online. So there was a website uh, where we would have a lot of rich media content sitting there. And the key to the campaign would be three films that would tell the real stories of three employees. Yeah. Well, we, we've actually got a clip from, from one of those personal stories. So I want to ask you about those, those films mm. in particular in, in a second. Um, but let's have a, let's have a listen to this, this clip. Now, this features Matt Taylor, a senior manager for advanced manufacturing engineering at Jaguar Land Rover. Um, he experienced a stress-induced breakdown in 2014. I remember the the day clearly where the breakdown occurred. There was a series of meetings in in the morning, which was some difficult topics that we were talking about, some difficult outcome. I remember coming out of that meeting and then taking a phone call, walking across to my car. There was another issue that had grown. I arrived at Castle Bromwich um, late. I was sort of quite on edge, let's say, by that point in time. And then those just began to build. And I remember this uh, this overall sort of sense of, of being crushed, of being pulled down, of just, OK, that's it, you've got to go, I've got to get out. And, and I just walked. The only person I, I felt like talking to was my brother. So, um, so I called him and then he said, just go, just go home. So I went home. And um, and I was in the in my in my bedroom for I don't know two three hours. That was absolutely rock bottom. That was a sense of just emptiness, a sense of just a, a being a shell of someone, of just nothing left. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I, I needed some help. I, I went to the doctor a couple of days after, and then got some sort of you know, comfort from the fact that he said I was suffering from something. Just some recognition there that you were unwell was a, a huge relief. All three videos are really um, powerful, Dagmar. You, you might want to explain the setting of that particular one because obviously we hear the water in the, in the background mm. at, at the start of that. But um, what I was intrigued to know is how you went about finding the case studies, but also how difficult was it to get them to open up as much as they did on camera? It, it wasn't easy, and I think the, the casting process, if you want to call it that, was actually key in that. Um, the time it took from agreeing with Jaguar Land Rover that we were going to do the films to the actual filming starting um, was a lot longer than the actual filming and post-production process. Um, we worked with Jaguar Land Rover, obviously, to find the right people. Um, what we wanted to do was show that it can affect anybody. So we had, you just heard Matt there, who was uh, he's, he's quite senior in the company. We had somebody who was a middle manager, uh, middle in middle management, and then we had a factory worker as well. Because, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are and what your job is. It, it can affect you in an equal manner. Um, there were three very different stories as well. Um, so we worked with the internal comms team to find 
people who would be willing potentially to step in front of the camera. And it was a process of elimination. So we put a call out and a few people came forward. Then some of them decided they weren't ready to talk after all. In the end, I think, we wanted to make five stories and we had five people um, and then two of them dropped out. So in the end, we were left with three people. But as you said, they were really, really powerful mm. stories. So we had Matt who had a, a, a stress-related breakdown. We had uh, Kat who uh, suddenly realised she'd been suffering from severe depression all her life and hadn't been aware until she suf again suffered a complete breakdown. And then we had um, Trevor, who used to be in the army, uh, was in Afghanistan and, and uh, was suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So three very different stories. And to get them to open up was not that easy. So leading up to the filming, there were lots and lots of conversations. Um, we spoke to them a number of times on the phone, and the filming actually happened in, in two different sections. The interviews were filmed first. They were in a quiet room. There was very, very little crew. So we effectively only had the cameraman and the director. The director was the one who had been speaking to all three before on the phone a number of times. So there was already a rapport there. So the interviews were done first. And once we had captured those we then knew what kind of other shots we wanted to get to put over the top. You just right. mentioned the noise in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt, part of Matt's recovery was uh, physical exercise, and he has actually taken up a triathlon. So we filmed him swimming mm. uh, at the start of the film. And uh, the moment when he talks about, uh, as you just heard, when he talks about being pulled under, we actually saw him diving. So that was quite powerful. I think what just struck me listening to it again, and, and it, it does that every single time, is the sincerity with which he spoke. And I think the long time leading up to the recording, you know, was proof of that. Um, he was so sincere when he spoke. And you hear that he pauses a couple of times and he sighs and his voice breaks in a couple of uh, instances. And, and I think it's really, really powerful yeah. when you hear him speak. And, and what's been the impact internally at, at uh, Jaguar Land it's, it's had a huge impact. The campaign actually launched uh, on World Mental Health Day in October. And uh, so it's, it was the Let's Have the Conversation campaign. And it launched in all the internal channels. And um, the uptake um, of the channels of the website uh, was 79%. So 79% of all employees watched either one of all, all of the films within the first month of launch. Yeah. Of course, you can tell that when you when you stream from a website, you can see the difference in IP addresses. So 79%, that is a huge amount of people. Yeah, massive, yeah. And the phone lines to call, they also had a lot more feedback. So people actually understood the let's have the conversation yeah. and took them up on that offer. Amazing. Uh, Brit Brittany, what was it about this particular campaign that impressed the judges? You've, I think you've got some comments there, haven't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, it was interesting. The 79% was definitely something the judges picked up on, and that was quite an impactful um, result to see. Um, they also said that uh, it was a very pow powerful use of emotion um, that brought the issue to life, but that it also took a really strong approach to a critical business and employee engagement issue, which I, for me kind of exemplifies why some of the content that won or most of the content that won at the Corporate Content Awards is excellent because it was something that needed to be discussed for that um, internal audience mm. and was done so with, you know, a really considered approach and um, and kind of a bold approach, which is one of the other comments from one of our judges. So. David, what was your, your thoughts? Uh, for me, what stands out is the authenticity. 
mm-hmm. is that truth and that realness. And um, one of the things that we try and do is make things relatable to our audience. And I think hearing that, there will be moments where people go, I felt like that. I was in that period of time. I experienced something similar. And we do something called, you know, Moments That Matter or Members Like Me, where people can go, that's exactly the position I'm in. And I think you hear it in every subtle nuance of his voice, which, again, lends to that beautiful tone of authenticity. Really powerful. Dagmar, if, uh, if listeners want to see the full campaign and see the video, and they and it's genuinely a fantastic piece of work, if they want to see the, the videos, where, where do they need to go to? Because it's not just, it's available externally as well, isn't it? Not they, just internally. Yes, Jaguar Land Rover actually created an, an external website for this where everything sits on, um, which is great because they recognise the power of it. And it's JLR Mental Health, one long word, jlrmentalhealth.com. Brilliant. Um, Thank you for sharing that. So, as I said, tremendous case study. Um, now, before we chat to uh, David about his winning campaign, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is also being supported by NetSuite by Oracle, uh, the business management software used by thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Uh, every company battles challenges as they grow, updating manual processes, uh, something I know I do all the time, um, replacing inefficient systems, getting a handle on cash flow, and as you scale you'll need software that can handle growth. Uh, NetSuite can save you time, money and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance and accounting, orders and HR instantly right from your desk or even your phone. Now, the reason NetSuite are keen to talk to our listeners is that they have valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back. And these are available to C-Suite podcast listeners for free. Uh, The guide is called Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth and you can download it today from netsuite.com slash C-Suite and I'll give that uh, URL out at the end of the show as well. Uh, Right, time to find out a little bit more about our second award-winning case study, My CSP. Uh, This won two golds at the Corporate Content Awards. They were for best copy style or tone of voice and best use of content within an existing external community, Uh, but not satisfied with that. They also took home the award for best corporate storyteller. Uh, So very impressive evening, David. How do you turn the subject of pensions into a great story? Um, therein lies the rub. Uh, who would have thought pensions could be award-winning? I mean, for us, the, it was thrilling on the night. Um, first of all, best tone of voice really gets to the heart of what pension power is all about. We did a lot of research to identify what the barriers to our members becoming engaged with their benefits. And this was really a strategic objective right at the top. And Dagmar, you talked about that, the objectives and being strategic. So our client, the Civil Service Pension Scheme, wants to make sure the members engage, they understand their benefits, they value them as well from a reward point of view, and they're making informed choices. And when we went out there to do the research, what we found was there were a number of barriers that stopped people from doing all of those things. So talking to Deborah Sober, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Civil Service HR, it was a really, really clear remit, which I can't underestimate because it really helps to set the scene what's required. And then we do the creative treatment. And one of the big things we found was pensions, strangely enough, is really dull and really boring and they use big words and the actuaries do a lot of well you need to understand trivial commutation you know really I don't all I want to know is when can I retire and how much am I worth it's as simple as that so when I came into it there was a lot of hyperbole around it and lots of big words and lots of syllables and when the research said I think the pension's really important but I really don't understand it that was really the key to us going right we need to go big we need to go bold we need to go colourful we want to use alliteration we want to be tabloid because we understand our audience engages in that way 
So pension power was born very much out of alliteration, pension power. Why power? Because you need to have the power to make informed choices. And then when you start to bring it together with the creative treatment, with online quizzes, which are what? An online quiz for a pension? So we created this thing called Are You Pension Savvy? And we have four characters. And you do it a bit like a Cosmo quiz. You answer the questions and hey, press. So you come out with one of the four characters. I was going to ask you, actually, because... I was surprised to see quizzes back in there, you know, know. As, as, a, as an option. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I, I trialled this in Scotland. I was in Edinburgh, I think, and I was trialling it with a focus group. And we have four characters. And one of the characters is Clueless Chloe. And Clueless Chloe does what it says on the tin. You know, she doesn't understand pension. And therefore, all of the stuff that goes with it is a barrier. So I got somebody live out of the audience in the focus group to do the quiz. And there was Confused Connor, Clueless Chloe, um, Put It Off Pete, and Savvy Sally. And she came out as clueless Chloe. And I'm thinking, right, I need to see how this lands with the audience. Is she going to feel affronted that, you know, she's... And it was great because her teammates were on the front row and went, that is so you. It is. Because you don't do this, you don't do that. And she took it. And she's, you know, actually, you're right. And what was lovely was you end up with people going, do you know, that is me. To, to what Dagmar was saying before, when it resonates and people go, I am, I put it off Percy. I don't do my tax return on time. Right, what am I now going to do coming out of the focus group, coming out of Civil Service Live, having been on the website? It's that call to action. And the beautiful thing is about pension power, it resonates with people and they do something about it in what's traditionally a really boring area or something that you put off because it's a bit too complicated. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you check regularly, is it, obviously? so The thing is, though, again, again, that clear strategic direction. We don't expect people to visit the website 14 times a week. Yeah. It's not a retail website. You're not transacting there. However... You can be informed to then make choices. You can now go on and model your future because you can use a retirement modeler. So you can do that literally at the click of a button. You can find out what you're worth. And if you want to know whether you can go at this age or that age, you can do it. And that does make a difference. Yeah. It's now a destination choice. Now, you, you just mentioned Civil Service Live um, yes. just there in, 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 in what you were saying there. Tell, tell us about that because that, that's a, a, an event. Across the UK, isn't it? It is. It takes place in June and July every year. We we visit six or seven locations, I think, and we literally have a stand. So it's a bit like the Idle Home Exhibition. You go there and you, you sell your wares, if you like, in our, in our case, it's information. Um, but then I do presentations three times a day. So you go on stage and then you'll go, it's pension power. And we do it in a very irreverent way and we're very creative a bit cheeky a bit tongue-in-cheek and we bring in lots of cultural references which we know are relatable so last year when i was linking in clueless chloe clueless chloe is a cartoon character and if you go on the website you'll see this it's www.civilservicepensionscheme.org.uk clueless chloe looks like she could be somebody from love island (laughs) so as soon as you kind of get that and you go for it and then you can see some of the people in the audience their ears prick up and they go what? what? And you start talking about um, some of the language that people come out with. And again, you play around with it and go, if you don't understand Love Island, because it's a bit Marmite, and you don't understand the language, some people don't understand pension language. What can we do to break it down? So if you don't understand being mugged off, come and talk to us and we'll explain it. <laughs> I love Marmite and I love Love Island. I'm not going to deny no it. No shame, no shame. No, not at all. Um, same question uh, to you that I asked Dagmar about the JLR campaign. Uh, what impacts have you seen with you know internally w- within the civil service for this then 
So again, we've done, um, I think, Brittany, you mentioned this about being multi-platform. So there's a, there's dedicated web pages, there's, there's intranet campaigns. So we had over 100,000 people go to the retirement modeler, which was one of the pages on the pension power section. And that was really about giving people that power to go and model their future. So from a standing start in, July, in June, July, when it launched, over 100,000 people have started to access it and go on there and started looking at information. We can see more people every year going on the website. We see more people come into our sessions at Civil Service Live. So if you think about it, we're there as one of the stands. We're there as one of the presenters amongst a full day of presentations. We have queues out the door. I was I was doing, an, I had an audience of 250 in London. I got them doing a Mexican wave. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where you go, who knew? And it's like, this yeah. happens. Um, Brittany, as I said before, this was like a, a big winner mm-hmm. on the night. You know what? What was in particular about this one that that stood out for the judges? I think in terms of being best corporate storyteller, one of the things was um, was taking a multi-platform approach. And we've kind of seen digital, we've seen live events, we've seen print, we've seen award schemes. I think you guys have now, and it's just been amazing to kind of follow the journey of um, of the 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 campaign throughout all those platforms. But some of the things that the judges pointed out were the um, big bold tone of voice, tone of voice um, with eye-catching visuals, which definitely has and knowing your audience and I think understanding you know what it is that they're looking for and why and one of the comments got me thinking a lot because they were talking about tone of voice and they said it felt more like a snack brand and that's great because it's kind of supposed to it's supposed to make you want to hear from them rather than you know oh god pensions um and I'm just going to read the last uh comment out because it's really nice um Bold, striking, and assertively challenging in expectations of what pension communications can look like. Great outcome measurements and delivered with a refreshing boldness. Which is high praise. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I wanted to ask you, David, is why does the civil service need to enter a corporate content award? Because I can get it from agencies and brands, but I was just quite surprised to see you guys there. If I go back to um, when I first started, the, the communication approach was very much communication information. It's out there if you understand it, if you don't, if you read it, if you don't, whatever, really. We then moved for a clear objective of engagement. And the validation that we've got from the communications industry, from the Corporate Content Awards, I cannot say how important that is to the client who came on the night and they were beyond thrilled that the work that we had done collaboratively, because again, this is we work for, as the administrator for the scheme manager, the the civil service pension scheme, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to be able to work cheek by jowl and deliver their objective by working together. That night proved that particularly tone of voice, storyteller, Civil Service Live, all of those things that we had done were being recognised and validated against a lot of big competition that then said, right, now carry on doing more. So the good thing is on the night, um, Deborah Soper said, how do you top that? We already have a campaign for Civil Service Live this year, which I'm really excited about. Which we'll look forward to entering (laughs) next year, I guess. Um, So two two very different campaigns. Um, I, I don't know how much you can share in terms of budgets or, and resources that, that goes to put these kind of things together. Dagmar, can you maybe start with you? I think budget, I'm, I'm not going to put an actual figure against. I mean, in, in the case of Jaguar Land Rover, we had a healthy budget and we knew from the start what that was. And we adapted the campaign to that budget. But I think it's probably fair to say that you can do something for any budget. I think it is really about... Uh, finding the right solution. It does help if you know the budget at the start. And very often there is little 
to none. Um, but I think it's all about finding the right solution. So we knew what the solution would have to be for the Jaguar Land Rover campaign pretty quickly. We understood the audience. Um, and David, you've just said this a few times. It's, it's, it's all about understanding the audience and understanding what tone and what kind of stories you need to tell. Um, and you can tell a story to anybody with very little budget. So that doesn't really matter. And you can have engaging, vibrant content for a, for a very small budget. I think you just need to find the right solution. You need to be prepared to find a solution for very little budget. But we can do something for any budget, really. Yeah. Similarly, I mean, our budget was very, very small. I think we were looking at something like just over £1,000, maybe 1500 And we're talking things like banner stands and uh, T-shirts. So, for example, when you go to Civil Service Live, it's all about creating impact. It's the classic marketing thing of attention, interest, desire, action. I've got to get people coming to our stand. If it means I've got to go there with a T-shirt on, and which is what we did with our with our brand all over it. We act like the Pied Piper, so we get people to engage with us and we don't need to spend a fortune. Then it's about the one-to-one -one conversation that we have. Sure. Um, Brittany, aside from these two winning campaigns, what other uses of corporate content stood out for you, uh, on, you know, on the night? Well, actually, through a lot... You know, all the entries as well. Oh, yeah, I have a few, few I have a few favourites from this year. Um, one was the Leeds Playhouse, uh, which recently rebranded from the West Yorkshire Playhouse. Um, and to kind of support the rebrand and build awareness around um, the new name and the new kind of positioning, they uh, they filmed a video um, talking through some of the, the things that they do um, at the Playhouse. But they got, you know, someone from Leeds with his, you know, authentic voice kind of sharing those stories. Um and the judges loved it in terms of authenticity and kind of getting to the heart of the brand and what in its position in the kind of Leeds cultural landscape, um, which I really liked. And uh, I thought, I mean, I thought your work with the um, Adama Agricultural was great. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because it was such a simple solution looking at, you know, farmers who spend a lot of time in their vehicles and how can we reach these people? Well, radio is a great way to do that because they're driving, they're working, but you can listen to the radio. So I thought that was quite a, just a brilliant, simple solution for um, for what could have been a complex problem. And then there was a Get UK uh, series of films that DRPG worked on, um, and I, I love London Taxi Drivers, so that was a, <laughs> that was a pet one for me. Um, but it, I felt like it kind of built a connection with um, with the people behind the black cab on a kind of an emotional level. And it kind of shared how the app worked without having to take you through how the app worked. Um, so creative, simple, like effective work. Thank, thank you for mentioning mine. You didn't need to do that. But actually, interesting, though, because you, you class that as radio. I mean, because obviously the Adama campaign is podcasting. Yeah, but do you, so do you, I mean, do you, do you see it all blending yeah, together? Um, I think, well, in terms of the corporate landscape, um, yeah. I couldn't speak to a consumer, but on the in the corporate landscape, I think the use of audio, whether that's a radio, live radio um, yeah. program or a podcast, it kind of, it has the same impact yeah. um, because people are listening to it in a maybe cor corporate context. Um, and they're trying to hear from their peers and they're learning more about their company through that. Um, and it has to be engaging and it has to be yeah. something that they want to listen to. And I think podcasts are doing that really well. So. Mm. I, th I think the key is actually multi-channel, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think, David, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, we're no longer, whenever we devise a campaign, it's no longer a, a you know, one-track pony. I think it's really sure. important that you look at all the different channels that are available. Yeah, we um, Again, we have videos online. We have a podcast talking about this. We have 
understanding your benefits for civil service pensions. We have videos, we have live events. We will work on internet, we'll work on anything that where we think there is a platform that our people will engage. But absolutely, as Dagmar says, you always now think about what channel do we want to take this through and what will have the biggest impact and where we're we going to get the reach from and how do we do it, but never just considering one channel. Um, and what about looking forward then? So are there any particular trends we should be looking out for in 2019 and beyond for corporate content? I think for us, with our audience, and again, this is from the rich intel, we know our audience will often be at work and they will consider looking at the website at work on their work platform. Um, whether, therefore, that means they would be walking around the store on a Saturday doing their shopping and look at an app and want to go and download some information, um, I think is probably further out than what we've got right now. But we know that face-to-face definitely works. We know that increasingly people want to get bite-sized chunks. And I think this is where, again, talking to podcasts, mm-hmm. where you can listen on for half an hour and you get it. Mm-hmm. We know that the more that we break down that message into something where people go, right, I've got that bit now, right, I'll go and get something else. Mm-hmm. That really does cut through for us. Mm-hmm. I think one thing we need to remember is that a lot of our audience these days are millennials or younger, so Generation Z. And I think their demands to uh, corporate communication are slightly different, certainly my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important. Storytelling has come up quite a bit here. Yes. Uh, I mean, the Get stories that you just mentioned, yeah. that, they, that was all a, a nice example for storytelling. Um, But I think we need to make sure with all the storytelling that it doesn't become spinning yarn. I think it's really important. Again, you talked about authenticity before, David. I think that is absolutely key. I've got children who are in their late teens now, Generation Z, and they cut through the crap, excuse my language, really quickly. When they see something, they want to know that it's authentic, that it's real. And they realise very quickly if something is made up. And I think we have a duty of care there when when we create content for our clients, that um, we are authentic. Yeah. I've had worse language on this podcast, <laughs> I? but it's good. It shows that no, but it shows you're passionate about yeah, about absolutely, the topic. absolutely. I think that's the same for internal comms as well, because yeah. again, whether you're talking as the voice of the chief um, exec and you're putting events together or whatever, there has got to be that level of authenticity. Mm. It links into things like leadership, role modelling, the values. So for me, when I see something, I want to believe in it. I want to see some truth there, but I also want to then see that people have considered me, my situation, and then thought about a solution for that. Um, I mean, looking back at kind of last year, which was the first year of the Corporate Content Awards, what we saw was like really creative, excellent uses of digital, companies starting to take more risks in terms of content, um, using new technologies. And this year, it's been really pleasing for me because I've seen all of that exciting, groundbreaking, innovative work kind of applied to a really strong strategic foundation. Um, And I think next year we'll get some more innovation. But I think content is going to become a stronger priority for corporate leaders um, because they're going to see the impacts that these things can have. Um, And hopefully it will just kind of continue to increase and improve and we'll get more wonderful stories and wonderful storytellers. I I think that's really important what you just mentioned about Mm -hmm. technology. I mean, we use a lot of technology. We must never forget that the technology is only there to enhance the content, nothing else. So you must never forget the end user, your audience at the Mm. end of it. And and that is is absolutely key. So content is always key. I've got a couple of questions I wanted to finish off on. One of them is what the biggest challenge is that you're facing at the moment. In, you know, in, I mean, in this you know space in terms of corporate content, Dagmar, let's, let's stick with you on this one. 
Um, I think an interesting challenge, and it's been there for a, for a little while actually, is still that um, the borders between external communications and internal communications have kind of disappeared. Mm. So a lot of the time we have to come up with an idea uh, for a campaign that starts out with the internal audiences, which are of course very important and employers have begun to notice that their own employees are their biggest assets and are their biggest ambassadors. Um, and then the campaign crosses that, uh, that border over into the external domain. So we've got one objective for two you could argue different audiences, although are they really? Because of course, employees are, can also be customers. Yeah. So well, I think I mean that, that's yeah. Because your GALR one, as an example, yes. obviously it starts off as, as an internal comms, you know, uh, campaign. But me, what looking at that thinks, what a great employer! I'd love to work there. Absolutely, and, yeah. it, it, it it did cross the border into external because Jaguar realised that it it had a relevance to anybody really yeah. um yeah. and it also showed that they were a responsible employer which yeah. which they are so uh, it did cross that line and and the get films as well i think i think the key there was that it was done as a recruitment campaign in in one sense but uh, it was also done as a campaign aimed at customers and potential customers david mm. biggest challenges for you um, again, similarly, we have done a lot of work in the past, say, 12 months where we've made sure that whatever we're engaging our members with externally is then played back internally in a way that people can digest. So in our contact centre, we've got people on the front line. They need to know what's going on so they can play that back. But also in making it relatable, our average age is 34. So the cultural references that we use, the creative treatment that we use needs to hit that mark. And somebody came to me yesterday and they were talking about the, the awards that we won. It was great. They came across and said, oh, great, it's going to be something in my word. And that's our magazine that we produce and it's 20 pages it's tabloid it's full color it's very chatty and again the same thing our internal audience says make it pithy so that we can just grab the information and go the same as our members so the good thing is we're seeing something that's very complementary that means we can take the same principle and apply it to different audiences sure. Brittany, sorry you were going to add us oh there. i was raising my hand because i loved the get campaigns and i'm a get user um <laughs> but uh but yeah i think in terms of the the challenges coming up one of the things that was really interesting in looking at this batch of winners was that they were all using excellent strategic creative content but at the right moment mm, um, yeah. and I think it's it's hard to choose that moment and if you do it can have an amazing impact and really make a difference for the business and a good example of that really quickly is um, last year's best corporate storyteller um, so or, which was the award that David and my CSP won this year um, was a, a video that NHS blood and transplant did for uh, for Valentine's Day and it was it was a funny yeah. video um, where a guy was singing about kidney donation, and it's like completely making light of kidney donation. But then it like it makes you think about it, and it had a real impact in that people actually donated kidneys based on this campaign. So it kind of found a moment that it could communicate around and and have some real impact um, around, but then did it in an engaging, authentic kind of way. And I think that's kind of the biggest challenge for for companies. Sure. Okay. Um... Finishing off then, in one sentence, if you can, uh, and because I, I know you, you can all talk a little bit, so in one sentence, if you can, what, what's the, the secret to success um, in terms of creating award-winning corporate content? David, let's, let's come to you first. I think it starts off with um, the creative concept. So for me, a lot of the things will come to me when I'm walking, literally walking around the shops on a Saturday or I'm going for a 10K run and I'm listening to some music and it will make me think of something which I can then translate into a concept that will work. So it always goes back to what am I trying to achieve objective 
And then how am I going to treat it so that then it gives you that whole attention, interest, desire, action? I think that was three sentences. Sorry, apologies. (laughs) (laughs) You know I can talk. (laughs) Dagma. Always think out of the audience's perspective. There you go. One sentence. Very good. (laughs) Um, Brittany, anything to add to that? Tell a great story. There you go. Right. Um, And I guess to finish off, are you doing it all again in 2020? We are, yes. Uh, Corporate Content Awards Year 3 will um, open for entries again in May. Um, So that's corporatecontentawards.com. But we're just really excited to be able to to celebrate excellent corporate storytelling again. Brilliant stuff. Um, David Borman, Dagmar Macker and Brittany Golub, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, If you want to read more about all the winning case studies from the Corporate Content Awards, um, obviously you've got the website that Brittany uh, just mentioned or you can visit communicatemagazine.com and there's a link to awards at the top of the page. Uh, We'd also love to hear your thoughts on this topic and you can share those with us by contributing to the discussion on our Facebook and LinkedIn pages um, or on our Twitter feed. They're all linked from the top of our website which is csuitepodcast.com and you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes uh, plus links to where you can subscribe to the podcast on all apps and if you are an itunes user and you've enjoyed the show then as we always ask please do give us a positive rating and view because uh, that helps us climb the business charts which we'll be uh, really appreciative of um just a reminder again of that uh, link uh, where you can download netsuite's free crushing the five barriers to growth guide um so you can go to netsuite.com slash c-suite uh, so do have a look out for that and finally if you'd like to get in touch with this show you can do that via our contact form at csuitepodcast.com or you can reach me via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith. Our next episode is being recorded at CFA UK's FinTech Interactive Forum on March the 1st, where we'll be interviewing a number of their speakers. Um, So that will be on your feed very soon. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.